All right. Cheers, everybody. Welcome back. We made it for uh, episode two of the Pints and Provisions podcast. I am Evan. Uh, here uh, in the flesh is Mark. We've got Dan uh, Skyped all the way in from Lombard, Illinois, uh, one of those beautiful suburbs of Chicago. Dan, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. Sorry I couldn't make the uh, first episode, but we overcame the technology challenge, and now we can uh, we can talk and hang out, and you guys can tell me about what you're going to be drinking today. <laughs> and, I'll dr- and I'll drink vicariously through you with my LaCroix. Hey, that's, uh, that's not a bad drink either. Um, you know, those, those are really on the up and up, though, those, uh, um, you know, the, the, the seltzered waters. You can yep. buy some really pricey seltzered water now. Maybe yeah, another episode. Yeah, I don't know. That probably won't go too far. So it's a matter, yeah, matter of time before we have a seltzer flavored uh, beer water. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think we already have that. Actually, it's uh, it's called a lighter Michael variety. Ultra. No names. Uh, uh, well, we won't put any on the podcast and kick anyone actually, under the bus. But maybe did a beer that actually had that in there. Okay. Well, this wouldn't be a um, a beer centric podcast if we didn't uh, crack a beer. So, right, Dan, Dan, your job is to try to guess what we are cracking open um, by the sound of it. So, go ahead, Mark. Okay, here's the sound. What, so, what do you think that was? <laughs> uh, I'm going to guess that it's a either either a green or very green from Treehouse, and that was Mark with his giant fingers cracking it. <laughs> Yeah, actually, that was a pretty good guess. That was not too far off. That was pretty good. So we're going to dip into the hazy IPA craze with uh, what, what better beer than Haze by Treehouse there you Brewing. Go. One of my favorites from them. The beautiful purple can. Um, and this one, of course, is brewed in the new facility. It's a double IPA. Um, and I believe that it's... Uh, What are they using this? Is this Galaxy or what is this? From what I remember, it is, um, I don't think it's all Galaxy, but I do think that it's prominently Galaxy. Okay. Um, but, you know, out of the staples of what Treehouse does, of course, they're pretty much known for the the New England IPA craze of the Hazy IPA, and they probably do some of the best uh, out there. Well, uh, here, let's take a quick photo. We'll throw this up on the... So you guys can see what we're talking about when we talk about hazy. Throw your glass up there, Evan, real quick. I mean, just like a, almost like a glass of orange juice. That's what it looks like. Huge, huge citrus note right off the bat. I mean, it's just like an explosion of, of different citrus fruits, orange, passion fruit. I mean, you name it. I don't know about you guys, but I, I feel like, you know, the, as Evan mentioned, the New England IPA is, is all the craze. Everyone's making one now. Everyone's everyone's trying to splash onto the scene with their own variety of it. But Trias still does it better than anybody, in my opinion. I mean, whenever you whenever you can get your hands on one of those, it's just it, it just never disappoints. I mean, it might might be different because of the new facility or whatever, and tastes just a little bit different. But I have never been disappointed by any of them. And Hayes, like, is is one of the best. It's, so, it's just so delicious. Sure. Now, you bring up an interesting point that I think we've talked about before a little bit. So when a, when a brewery moves to a new facility, um, will, will they ever capture what they had before? Is it just a learning curve that they've got to get back to to adjust the new equipment to the recipe? Or is that old 
facility never to be duplicated again just because of its uh, its uniqueness. It's very hard to it's very hard to replicate and duplicate. You get a different set of um, um, boil kettles, fermenters, bright tanks, whatever you uh, you want to call all this stuff. Um, the brewing equipment itself is all very different, and your brew house efficiency is always different from um, facility to facility. And then, of course, as you scale up, it gets harder to capture a lot of that stuff too. So I think they did go through some growing pains mm-hmm. uh, at Treehouse because of their small facility. I don't think um, anybody could say that right off the bat the new facilities tasted exactly like the old facility, but they've, they've dialed it in. Like Dan said, it's not it's not that it's bad, it's just different. It's different. Right. So, I mean, it's still phenomenal. I mean, I'm not going to drain pour uh, a treehouse beer uh, almost ever. So, right. give me a bad treehouse, it's still better usually than sure. most of the stuff Absolutely. out there. I mean, these yeah, are the, only, the only trick for us is is being in the Midwest is where everyone talks about, oh, you got to drink it within a few days or within a few weeks or, or whatever it might be. And it's all, it's just difficult to get it out here. But I mean, that's one thing if you look at, if you look at the way that craft beer has gone, some people talk about and they, and they're disappointed in, you know, when, when these smaller craft breweries sell out quote unquote to the, to the big boys. I mean, as, as Evan mentioned with scale, like, like Goose Island did. And I still think Bourbon County, as far as uh, when, when you go to a barrel aged out, even with the scale that they have with, you know, 48 states distribution, it's, it's still unbelievable. And I think, I think Treehouse is figuring that out. And uh, when, whenever you scale up like they are, as long as their quality remains even, you know, fractionally less than what it was, we're still getting Treehouse beers out this way now because of the, the relationships that we've built and it's, and it's amazing by the time it gets here still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, to be, to be honest, if you were out in new England, we'd probably be throwing this one in the trash. This is a, uh, January 4th haze on the bottom of the can. It says WTF is a bomb cyclone. So no, this oh, is, I mean, I mean, goodness guys, you're talking about a beer that's almost a full month old. I know we, I'm surprised <laughs> like you guys, we have beer yeah, sitting on the shelves here in Chicago land that like, <laughs> You look on the date and you're like, uh, I don't think that this is supposed to be here anymore. I think your distributor should have picked this up. Yeah. I mean, it it is true that this, especially this particular style, but IPAs with the uh, hops and the the oils and acids that those have, they can break down. And of course, a lot of these um, hazy IPA brewers have very specific yeast strains, like house yeast strains that Mm -hmm. can really change the profile of that beer a day uh, and a week and a month later. So, but they're just fun. So uh, did we figure out exactly what the hot profile is on this, Mark? I did. I was trying to look it up. I have not quite found the exact thing. So, well, if you, if you're listening and you want to comment and cause you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. We should have known stuff like this ahead of time, but you know, that's a part of uh, just talking about it. I would guess that there's a lot of galaxy into this. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I'm not finding anything that I'm not looking at hard either. I'm kind of busy enjoying the beer. I bet, I bet uh, Ryan would have known. Um, uh, he was uh, very busy. He w- was disappointed not making it today, uh, but busy this weekend celebrating his uh, one-year anniversary. So, it, Congrats, it, Ryan. Congrats, buddy. It doesn't go over well if you skip um, you know, being with your wife and your family for your first anniversary to go podcast about something irrelevant. Um, yeah, certain things you shouldn't ever miss for anything. 
And uh, when you start missing things for beer-related things, that's when you start getting in trouble. We all can speak from experience on that. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't. I, I was just saying. I, yeah. heard, I heard from you, from yeah. someone else. I don't know. Right. Asking for a friend. No, this is uh, this is great. And some people don't really care for the the hazy IPA craze. I think that some people think it tastes less like beer and more like a juice. You know, or, or, a, or it just a, it just depends on what. In my opinion, like different people have different thought processes about beer. Some people are very traditional and they want that traditional lager or pilsner, and that's what beer is. But then there's kind of a, a, a different thought process of like, you know, beer can be all sorts of different profiles, and and I think it's unique when when brewers push for new things. And you know, yes, this blew up, and it's a huge. Uh, phrase right now and it actually I've seen it start to kind of like it's not fading away but you can almost see things pushing to the next thing you know and we had I would say we had the, the bourbon barrel age craze right now is a huge thing as well those are just popping up everywhere so but I think that's what makes beer unique it's always changing it's always evolving so I, I enjoy that yeah I mean I tell you what if you want to get people in your door right away uh especially in places well, like here in Peoria that don't really offer or at least have not traditionally had a lot of options for hazy IPAs, make a hazy IPA and you'll probably get a, get the beer uh, minded people in the door pretty quickly. Sure. Yep. Agreed. Well, and then the story is the same here, here in, uh, in my neck of the woods in, in Lombard, you have, uh, excuse me, in Villa Park, you have more brewing, um, which their first release that they did uh, was, the New England IPA, you know, to, to, to kind of, you know, jump on the, the craze uh, with the hazy style. And then Noon Whistle currently in Lombard, just a few miles from here is, I mean, they have the, the gummy, um, the gummy beer right now, which is just a, it's a, it's a consistent and new New England style IPA, like almost on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. And people love it. You know, just keep adding stuff to it, trying something new, taking something out, trying a new hop strain. It's, it's just, people love it and it doesn't seem like it's going away, but it's for me, for me personally, beer has become seasonal. Like I, I like to drink things you know, like this, this style of beer for me, uh, which you guys are currently enjoying is like a summer beer for me. Um, and whereas now I'm like the, uh, the warm beers, you know, during the winter, like the stouts and things like that. But again, this is one of those ones that I drink anytime during the year, but I just currently don't have any in my refrigerator. So well, someone help sad, me out. That's a sad state of affairs. It is. When you're hot poor, it's sad. <laughs> yeah, because when more brewing's right around the corner. Yeah, rough. Life right. is rough. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, I'm not complaining. I just, you know, hey, it's too Dan, cold to go outside. So the, you mentioned the gummy from Noon Whistle. So, like, they're just basically doing different variants off the same recipe. Is that what they're doing? Uh, so their their baseline is the same, but they're adding different hops and they're adding different flavors. Like the one I I dropped off for you guys the other day was the uh, I think it's called Ghost or Gummy Ghost or something like that. And it's ghost a New England style IPA with a ghost with ghost peppers. And I thought I was like, man, this is going to be so hot, unpleasant, uncomfortable. But I actually ended up really liking it. So it's they're just—they're basically just doing the same beer and, add, and making little tweaks to it, from what I understand. Well, interestingly enough, uh, I know that we have one. Here. We have one here. We may—we may decide to break it open, but I think uh, um, we're. Uh, why don't? Uh, what do you think? Do you, do you want to stay with the New England 
uh, area here next mark. Now that, um, now that we're kind of finishing up our half can of haze, is, this I goes think, down pretty quick. I think we should. I don't. <clears throat> so we have. What I think we should let's uh, let's go for probably. I know you might you might find Ryan say that this could be his favorite brewery, but Hill Farmstead. Uh, we've got a can of their uh, Society and Solitude number eight, uh, double IPA brewed with Simcoe, Citra, and Mosaic hops. So again, through our um, relationships, that when you get into obsessions and hobbies, you get to know you know, people through um, who, who can get you this stuff where you can get them some stuff from around here and you do trades and you can only grab Hill Farmstead beers at the brewery. Uh, there's nothing that they distribute. Um, I know that one of our uh, good friends that does go there says that you literally lose cell service on your way out there. It's so remote. It's, it's so beautiful. never been there. Um, it's definitely on my bucket list. It's kind of one of those, what I, what I perceive and what I've heard is it's kind of like a destination place too. Like you can go there, hang out, um, enjoy some great beers and just chill. So this is from the 8th of January and this even has a drink by. So, Hey, we've, we've made it. It says drink by the 19th of February. So we're okay. Good. How's that LaCroix, Dan? It's delicious. I'm thinking about going and getting another one. <laughs> okay. Here goes the SNS eight. Right off the bat, as soon as you crack that thing, you can smell. You can smell the the citra. The citra is almost like your, um, one of your backbones of fruit forward hops and always always provides a very good profile with brewing for not only bittering but. Uh, aroma and most of the time, you know, another thing. If you want to talk about the methods at which that they brew these, the the traditionists always uh, want you and uh, tend to also put hops at the beginning of your boil. You put those in there, helps stabilize your boil a bit, but that also is going to contribute more to bittering. So that bitter taste. Well, a lot of these don't really have a lot of bitter. Like if you measure IBUs and you know, like for instance, the Vale. Uh, out in Richmond, mm-hmm. we'll always uh, brew a couple beers or versions of beers called I Don't Want to, capital B-U, I Don't Want to B-U. So right. there's zero IBA, uh, zero IBU beers, and they don't really put anything at the beginning of the boil. They put almost everything after flame out. Um, and, and so it all contributes to to simply aroma and that smell you get on the, on the nose. But this is pretty good. Yeah, for anyone who's listening, uh, Evan's the type of guy that you want to have when you're brewing beer. Uh, Mark and I haven't – I haven't had the opportunity to brew with him yet, but I see myself in the future doing it with him and just watching him do everything while drinking his beer as well. Well, well, you won't Um, watch. He'll be bossing you around. He'll be like, stir that. Move that. That's fine. That's fine. I'll do my part. But but he – He's the thinking man behind it. So – well, it's. It, it, I, I feel like to. I, I get to enjoy it. In um, I mean, brewing's a, a whole lot of fun. Making the beer is. Um, it just helps you understand where it comes from, what you start with, and then what you get in the end. But the most fun part about brewing on your own is sharing it with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'll bottle 
about 640 ounces or five gallons of beer. And I bet half of that just gets given, distributed, sent yeah. to people that... Yeah, that's cool. I, I, I want to... I have one... We talked about this before, but Dan's got to be here. Maybe at a future podcast, we'll have everybody here. But we'll get... We'll open up that last year's bottle of the Russian Imperial Stout. Um, to give you an update, this year's Russian Imperial Stout, I've got in the fermenter, just added a pound of toasted coconut and a pound of cocoa nibs. That sounds fantastic. So okay. in about a week, we'll bottle. Uh, give it, last time, took about three to four weeks for mm-hmm. that to condition to the point of some good carbonation, and then we'll we'll crack that open. I'm excited. <laughs> LaCroix is no longer cutting it now that you told me about what's going in that beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can get the coconut LaCroix, too. That one's pretty good. Ah, uh, yeah, good point. I don't have any with me. Looks like I'm heading to, heading to the store. Hey, real quick, just uh, while we're drinking this, uh, Hill Farmstead, um, having these side-by-side, I am actually preferring the second one. The I'm... I'm a big sucker for like mouthfeel and smoothness with a beer, and this thing is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that haze is harsh, but it, it, it's it's harsher than this. This SNS eight is fantastic. Well, you know that haze is well, it's like four days older, so you know. Yeah, yeah, that was it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's falling off. So, I mean, every minute that goes by, it's wasting away. Well, no, I, in, in one thing you can say for Hill, Hill Farmstead is what they really excel at are, you know, farmhouse-style saisons, um, barrel aging. You know, just like you talk about Corey King at Side Project, yeah, you know, Sean Hill and Corey King are probably the best in the industry of blending, you know, barrel-aged beers. Um, but people always tend to overlook. And of course, if you're in new England, I don't know if they care anything more beyond uh, loving new England IPAs, but they've definitely dialed in the ability to make a absolutely fantastic, um, new England style IPAs. Something that I was curious is just what the ABV was coming between these two. Um, Actually, pretty close. The haze um, weighed in at 8.2, and the SNS 8 was at uh, an even 8%. So close on the ABV, uh, but I just really, in a side by side, I think I got to give the edge to the SNS 8. I, I think I agree. Dan, have you ever had any of the Hill Farm set IPAs, whether they be in growlers or cans? Uh, I don't think that I have. I don't think I've – I've had very, very little from Hill Farmstead, and that's unfortunate to say. Uh, I haven't gotten enough time. Ryan Ryan and I are like two ships passing in the night whenever I'm here. He's there, and whenever I'm up – whenever I'm back home, he's up here. So I need to, we need to figure out a time for, for all of us to get together because he's – like you guys mentioned, this is this is probably his favorite brewery um, or his go-to at least if he had to pick one. Are you uh, are you getting a complex that Ryan doesn't want to be around you at all? Like it seems like you guys can never get together. Say that again. <laughs> are you are you getting a complex at all that like you and Ryan can't ever meet up? That you guys are yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I, I think I think there was a while there where, where Ryan and I had a, a not so silent rivalry between the two of us for some reason. <laughs> uh, but I think we've made amends. I think we're we're uh, we're healing, <laughs> and uh, I think I think it's we're going to be friends here shortly. That's so that's good. 
Yeah, I still can't figure out why, you know, what it was about, but he's a good guy to drink with. He knows his stuff, so it'll be exciting well, to have everyone together. Well, when you get once. all when you get all four of us together, which has happened how many times? Probably three times. I know we've had. It's two. not many. Yeah, yeah, it's not many. Once up here, once down there, or maybe is it twice up here? I, yeah, it's not many. Not well, enough. The, the, I think the first time we all met was um, a year and a half ago in Chicago. It, Dan's house, mm-hmm. and that was probably one of the most fun times I've had sharing great beers and sharing them with great people, and it just shows you, I think, like, when we decided that we wanted to get together to do, you know, a podcast, that we all kind of have our own, you know, specialties to bring to the table, so to speak, and for, for some reason, it just sort of worked, and I think that's why hopefully people enjoy listening, is because there's about four completely different personalities that all sort of come together in a very interesting way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh. What well, else? Uh, what else we got on the docket for today? I, I know we. Well, I mean, we talked about a few other things that you wanted to talk about in this podcast. I know we've got the the hazy IPAs. I guess before we before we jump ship on this, maybe let's talk about. So we've talked about some actual New England. IPAs, but it's but it's also a style that is across the country now. So now this New England hazy IPA is is being uh, um, adopted by breweries all over the country. And so, actually, I think there are some fantastic breweries that are not out of the New England area that are crushing this beer right now. A couple that come to mind. I know Evan, you're a huge fan of Monkish, and they're out of LA. Um, those guys are just killing it. Seems like you know they they've got it figured out. Um, I think a couple other guys that come to mind right off the bat. I'm a huge fan of Great Notion out of Portland, Oregon. Uh, yep. You know they're they're uh, Juice Junior and some of those that they're doing are, are are fantastic. Yeah, they made a they made a couple really good uh, hazy IPAs with some of those Southern African hops that got um, eventually gobbled up by Anheuser InBev, and I think Great Notion was one of those not so silently uh, upset and furious about mm-hmm. that acquisition, but Mandela was one of them. It was pretty good. Yep. But you talk about everybody wanting to sort of jump on this bandwagon and craze. Hey, boy, we've got some local places that have started to really dial the, the New England style IPA in. Um, I'll say I bet Triptych is probably at least here in central Illinois, one of the better makers of a uh, New England style IPA, which is easily available on grocery shelves here. Uh, it, it certainly doesn't last long, um, but it's, it's, it's not unavailable. It's not mm-hmm. super hard to get. And, you know, Dan's got tons of great options up in Chicago, which if you're in a, you know, we talk about beer destination, Chicago's uh, a beer destination in itself. Um, but when you come down here, a lot of those things, a lot of those smaller breweries, like more, they don't, distribute so we have to rely on local places and i think that's always important for people to go out and support their local breweries um here in peoria initially at least when i moved here not really much available um but now we actually have um four local breweries at least here in the peoria area we've got bearded owl opened up um and they're going to start dialing in what they do well um industry brewing the again i've said the brewer there is a very knowledgeable um, brewer who knows how to do many styles well. Uh, we have Rodell's, which is more of a um, many and small batch kind of place. Um, I don't think they're kind of a uh, 
uh, haze craze kind you know, of brewery. They've kind of got their niche and they stick in their wheelhouse. But they've been a mainstay here in Peoria. I believe they opened up in 1998. So they've they've definitely been the... Yeah, Mark, that's probably one of the first places that you and I went and started uh, started down this road is when we, uh, when we brewed beer down there. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we did a... Was it a red? I mean, this was probably close to 10 years ago now, but I mean, that, that place has been down there. It's, it's a good, it's a good place to hang out, but it's more of like, Hey, come down here, brew some beer, have a couple beers that, you know, they make there. Um, it's a, it's a good little place though, but I, I'm, I'm impressed and it's cool. You know, like my sort of hometown being from a much smaller community outside, but it's, it's cool to see those places and, and you guys being impressed by them, you know, cause some of those ones where a brewery pops up and you're kind of like, uh, okay. But it's good to hear that they're actually impressive and doing good things. Sure. Yeah, I mean, when those when when brewer, uh, there are breweries, it's almost it's almost uh, like Starbucks now. There are breweries opening up all the time, and the the number of breweries opening up year to year, I I can't off the top of my head give numbers, but you know, in reading the magazines that we read, you know, it's kind of reached a it's going to start reaching a a critical mass where, and I think it's good that mediocre and not so good breweries fail. And we help the the newer ones that are making good things get better. Yeah, um, I mentioned in the last podcast that uh, the Beer Nadal was having their grand opening. That just happened over the last, uh, I think it was the twentieth. So we, it's like a week ago. Yeah, so the public uh, opening. Yep, and uh, and I I hit it up for a, for a private event a few days before that, but I was really impressed with. Uh, their, their opening lineup that they had, it was uh, well-rounded. They And uh, talking with uh, Nick Babcock, the head brewer there, um, I think he gets it. He understands like what it, what it takes to appeal to the masses, but also to maybe the guys that are more uh, beer-centric and are, are interested in kind of the way that I am, that I'm always looking for the next thing. I want to I try experimental beers. Um, he had, you know, like a Great beer for just someone that's not a huge uh, adventurous person. They had kind of a hoppy, uh, pale uh, pilsner that they had. Um, fantastic, smooth, just real clean and crisp. Uh, but then he, he did some other things. He had this uh, Norwegian farmhouse that was like really dank, had some funk to it. And I was in love with that right off the bat. Yeah, and that's that's like a very, very unique style and specific style that's brewed with a particular yeah, uh, yeast strain that's from Norwegian, um, Norway. Yes. It's a Norwegian yeast strain. It's called a Vossel. Um, and it sounds like what he's going to do is always try to add a little interesting herb or I think that root one, or that one had juniper from like a tree like berries sp- somewhere on a street I mean literally right and so he's like, gonna kind of get into this you know you see places like scratch in southern Illinois um, and even Jester King kind of just use and forage um, so to speak what what they can find and just brew with that kind of the I'm gonna brew with what's available to me mm-hmm. instead of shipping stuff in and see I love that I mean, yeah, it's, it's great. I think that concept is very unique. Um, I mean, with that that being said, if that's the concept that you're going to do, you cannot duplicate that beer anywhere else. It's like Jester King. You know, they boast that it's like you could take a recipe, but you can't duplicate it because it has to be like it's fermented there on their site in Texas, and it's very unique to their environment. Even if you had the same recipe, we couldn't duplicate that up here. Yeah, so what else did they have? 
Um, other beers that night, um, they had a, um, a stout. It was called Mike Tyson's Voice. Um, yeah, that's right. And they had that on Nitro, too. Yep. And then the, uh, they did have a uh, an IPA, American IPA. Um, it's kind of their take on a New England IPA. Yep. Um, and that was, I think that was basically what I had when I was there. I think by the weekend, he had a couple other beers that were available. I think he told me he was doing maybe an amber and a sour, but I did not try those. Yeah, I tried the the sour, and Dan, you'll be uh, you you would have liked this because I know you enjoy a good sour beer, and I know Ryan. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't know if Ryan's had the opportunity to go down there. He's been so busy, uh, you know, celebrating his first year of marriage. But um, they had a sour that was brewed with rosemary and sage. Uh, I can't recall exactly what it was called, but it was actually one of my favorites. Maybe a close. You know, second was the Norwegian Cram, the Cram Vossel. Um, but you know, for a beer that's not brewed with hops at all, kind of getting back to yeah, I, I guess the the next best, uh, closest place that I would say does stuff like that is the Scratch. But it's sort of one of those non-hopped. Mm-hmm. But they're going to use some sort of herb or root or leaf to kind of bring in some of that more uh, more aroma. And it was fantastic. It was. Ooh, I'm I'm always impressed by by brewers and their ability to bring in uh, flavors that you would never anticipate would be any good in a beer, right? When you when you say things like like there was a time when you said, oh this this is a sour beer that's done with rosemary and sage, like your initial reaction if you haven't had that before, and for people listening who haven't, it's like you're like, isn't that like what I put on my steak? Yeah, <laughs> like, like isn't isn't that what I season my meat with? Like what like that that sounds terrible. But then when you think about it and, and hear Evan explain like what it's meant to do, you're kind of like, wow, that that makes a ton of sense, and that's actually really good. Now, for every for every flavor like that, I feel like I feel like every brewery, you know, not every brewery, but there are so, there are some breweries out there that just try to force some adjunct or force some yep. flavor, and you're just like, just stop, man. You know, just like like there are certain things just aren't meant to go into beer, and it's just like. But when you hear something like those two things work so well together, you're like, okay, I get it, and I understand why they try because they're trying to set themselves apart. And I'm all in for the brewery trying and failing, and realize that, that just wasn't yeah. something that worked. At least they tried, right? Yep, yep. But 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 don't press it, right? Like once you realize you you can't do it, it's like, hey, don't do it again, right? Like this, like like one of the things we we, we had talked about, and I know Evan, you're not a big pepper beer guy, right? <laughs> um, but like like you know, this craze with peppers and stouts, it's like you either do that really, really well, or it turns out really, really bad. And there are very few breweries that do it really well, but it's, it seems like it just continues to be forced. And you're just kind of like, Hey, let's take a step back and go to what you're really good at. And that's where I think it's, it's, it's really key for, for places like bearded owl and for more and some of these smaller breweries that are just getting started up. It's like, find out what you're really good at zero in on it, nail it so that you can replicate it over and over and over again so that I know or we know when we go there, we can have something that we love every time. Yeah, uh, replicability is huge in a brewery. I mean, why do you think Anheuser InBev is so damn successful? Granted, they don't make the kind of beers that we like to enjoy on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis. But I'll tell you what, an American-style lager is a very difficult beer to make. And they can make that, you know, taste the same whether you're in London, 
Australia, you know, and they've got multiple breweries everywhere. Just that's what they're, that's the why they're so successful. It's impressive. Yeah. And it's the, it's the sandalwood. It's the beachwood. It's beachwood. Beachwood. It's beachwood. Sorry. It's beachwood. <laughs> it's not sandalwood. I, know, I, I, I forgot. Whoa. I was like, I remember when they were harping on that. It's like brewed with beachwood. You're like, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> dilly I mean, dilly. They're, they're, that's what they're good at. And, 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 and they're good at, you know, push, you know, squeezing people in and out of the market. But, you know, we don't enjoy that kind of beer. We don't enjoy that kind of, I think, attitude in the industry where we gravitate towards these other things. But, you know, people forget why they're good at what they do. And that's exactly why they're McDonald's. They make the same product, whether you're at O'Hare airport or getting off, you know, a, a train in Bangkok, it tastes like a McDonald's hamburger. Right. So, you know, might, and, and none of these might hazy, have a different meat at that point. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of these uh, hazy IPAs or 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 even all those stouts. It's like, well, okay, this is batch one, and we know batch two is not going to taste the same. But that's sort of the fun in it. You know, with bearded owl, they're going to say like, okay, here's this sour, but it's not going to taste the same the next time. And you know that we know that, and that's why we're fun. Hey, I will say this too. While just thinking about the bearded owl, um, I was talking to Nick. Uh, the, the brewer there, and uh, I was just kind of mentioning that this is something that we're starting up this podcast, and uh, he was actually pretty receptive. He's like, "Hey, man, if you ever want to sit down and chat about this, let's talk about it." So that's something maybe we could push for in the future. Is maybe getting a little uh, little cameo appearance by uh, Nick here, and maybe he could give us a lot of insight of like what his vision is for that as well. So I'm just I'm super pumped for him. There. I approve. I approve that. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? So, yeah, yeah. As we as we dial in the uh, logistics and the, our ability to sort of reach people, I think that will be uh, something we continue to do is bring um, brewers on here, bring friends that uh, may provide a perspective that you know we don't know or we don't know as much about or don't know anything about. So, hey, real quick, uh, still on the hazy IPA topic. We probably could spend a whole hour on hazy IPA. I just want to real quick, let's just brainstorm here. Um, Dan, off the top of your head, name like uh, a handful of breweries that you think like no matter where are just kind of like doing the hazy IPA correctly that are just kind of crushing it. I mean, uh, I, I think, I think we've mentioned a couple of them, obviously Treehouse, uh, Trillium, mm-hmm. both, both out that way. Um, you've got Monkish on the West coast. Um, up here, like I said, I like, I'm, I love the fact that I can just drive down the road and go to more and grab some loose candies and grab the gummy series from noon. Whistle. I mean, it's just like, so like closer to home, those are the ones that are really doing it. But I think those three are probably the ones that are like, you know, you've got Treehouse, Trillium, Monkish are probably the ones that like are my top three, I would say. I mean, okay. well, I'm, you know, asking you shall receive, um, our next, um, Next on the docket, and this is because Mark and I are sharing these, uh, we're going to go with a foggier window. Uh, the double IPA, again, we're clocking in at 8.1%. Uh, I had that one I had that one at Monkish about a year ago right now. And it was, uh, it's really good. Man, it's, right. it's incredibly hazy, though. Um, so I think it was, I think it was an online... Um, source that I read an article about how uh, out at Monkish, their goal is not to make 
what they claim is a New England IPA, but they sort of what they call monkish IPAs. And and I would totally agree. There's just something about monkish IPAs that – this is just my opinion. If I, I've had – I've had conversations with Ryan about this, but this is my favorite brewery in terms of a New England IPA. And so Foggier Window is a double dry hop version. Uh, it's got Citra, Nelson, and Galaxy, which are probably my three favorite hops of yeah. any. And Nelson's pretty darn hard to it's, – it's pretty hard to find. It's pretty hard to get. Um, it kind of brings in that grape wine, white wine mm-hmm. characteristic. And, of course um, – Citra is always the very... Yeah, um, it's kind of my go-to. I mean, like I just gravitate towards citra. Citra's very citrusy. I mean, it's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's like oranges, lemons. Um, but you bring in the little galaxy, you get some more melon. Um, you get some more tropical fruits. Um, even sometimes like papaya, that kind of like very um, meaty, you know, fruit that you get or the pulpy kind of um, uh, sensations. But... This is, and especially when you double dry hop it, it's just going to be crazy good. Yeah. Uh, just looking here, a couple uh, other uh, notables. I I also have been excited about. Um, it's so good. Bearded Iris out of Nashville. Yeah, they're doing yeah. some great stuff. Um, not just in the hazy IPA, but other categories as well. They're they're just really crushing it down there. But um, other notables, Transient out of uh, Michigan. Yep. I think they're doing some great beers. Juices loose. Uh, who does the M forty three up there? Is that um, that's um, old notion? Old nation. Old nation. Old nation. Old nation. That's that's very good. That's a great yes. beer. Great beer. Um, other, I think you mentioned earlier the Veil uh, and um, Aslan. I've had. Aslan. I've, I've, I've kind of had a up and down. I think they're trying to figure some things out there. Well, but, I think I mean, what what happened with went. What the growing pains that they kind of went through was, you know, they initially were doing only growlers and their system was, you know, system A. And then they kind of upscaled and started, they did a, they did a series of bottles, kind of bombers. And those were good. Uh, then they started to can and I think they had maybe some changes and growing pains with the cans or um I don't, I don't know, but I had some that didn't taste the same as the initial sort of crowler craze, but they've dialed it in now. Um, many of their New England style IPAs are very excellent. Uh, Master of Karate, um, Orange uh, Starfish, yes, I like Double that. Starfish. and They do like a Master Shredder. Shredder uh, that's or, that's or, the Veil. Oh, that's Veil, okay. That's Veil. Does, okay. Uh, that's their wheat IPA, kind of their house wheat IPA. Okay. Um, but they do... I, I, the Veil is very, very IPA-centric, but they've definitely started to release uh, things in the sour, spontaneously fermented beers and some stouts, too. Uh, and they do, like, I think one of their more fun beers that they do are the Hornswoggler, which is their chocolate milk stout, and they'll put Oreos in it, peanut butter in it, um, we talked coffee. About, we it. talked about that last time. It's just like a... One of the, one of the beers that Veil did that I thought was really interesting, that, I, that it's probably my favorite one that they did, was a... Um, it was a sour IPA. Was it, was it really interesting? I mean, I thought it was—I thought it sounded really strange, but it was—it ended up being really, really good. And I can't, the name of it is slipping See, was it right Sierra now. Misty? Say that one more time. What was it? Sierra Misty. I don't think so. 
The can um, actually looks like a can of syrup. I they've they've got they've got into some you know trademark mm-hmm. um, <laughs> troubles with. Yeah. They always they always try to make it sort of look like. I think they did one called Extra Cream that looked like uh, uh, Dunkin' Donuts. They did like logo and mm-hmm. and like the font and colors and everything. And the Sierra Misty looked like yeah, a Sierra Mist can. On. So <laughs> I, I I really appreciate that. That's a brewery that's that loves to to push the envelope and they'll put out, they'll put out some stuff. That's not good. I mean, just, just drain pour, not good. Uh, and then they'll put out some stuff. That's simply amazing. What is it? No, I mean, it's just gross. It's not like it's, uh, oh, it's, don't yeah, like it. it's, it's not like it's a, gross. it's a, there's nothing wrong with the beer. It just doesn't taste good to you. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, the one that I had was called, I think it was called never dead. Okay. Okay. No, the, the brewer out there, what's his name? Matt, uh, Matt Tarpy, um, he has Tarpley. Um, sorry, it's Matt Tarp, I think. But either way, I, I, that's gosh, I'm really Matt Tarpy. Um, he's the kind of guy who has a pedigree um, from a brewer's perspective of some time at Cantillon Hill Farmstead and I think Alchemist, wow. where he was just kind of. Uh, you know, apprenticeship kind of stuff. Uh, I don't care if I get paid. I don't care if I get paid a little bit, but it picked up a lot of stuff, obviously from all those kind of places and everybody's willing to work with him and wanting to work with him. And I think he does a lot of collaborations. Um, but you know, drinking this monkish stuff, I, I don't think they're, this they're is fantastic. They're not, they're not, a, they're not the kind of brewery and the kind of brewery that, uh, really cares about, what other people think. Yeah. yeah. They're going to do whatever. And one, of, one of the reasons, Evan, one of the reasons you really like Monkish as well is because of your affinity to music, right? Isn't there, oh, uh, aren't, aren't all of the names of their, their beers, lyrics to songs? Yeah. Mostly hip hop, okay. hip hop songs. Yeah. Um, so just about every time they release a beer, um, there's going to be some reference to pretty much hip hop. And in terms of, you know, I love, especially kind of old school underground hip hop. You're talking Wu-Tang Clan. They do a lot of um, um, references to Nas. And, you I know, mean, some, some stuff's just like off the wall. Like they had one that was, uh, I mean, was, everybody knows what it is, but it was red beans and rice. You know, red beans and rice did miss her. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. it's like it, it makes you chuckle when you see these come out and it, you know, it's that, it's that old school hip hop early stuff that they're referencing for sure. Yeah. And their, their brewery is just, it's just fun. It's tiny. And of course, if you're ever out in LA, do make the trip, um, to Torrance, which is, it's not like the, the most beautiful one. Really. There's not a L- LA. Is it's, a it's like 20 minutes South of, of LAX and it's in like an industrial park. Yeah. It's not like I'm going to go there to look for views of the, the ocean or views of the, the Hills, but um, you know, they got hip hop playing, they've got Kung Fu movies playing on the, the projector. They usually have, I mean, some. when I, when I was there, it was probably, I think it was like a Friday mid afternoon and you, it was like, heading to like the cook islands or something. We were, yeah, we were, it kind of reminds and, me of uh, picked up some beer and it, uh, my checked bag with beer in it almost made it all the way to my room on an island called Rarotonga and the, the guy carrying my bag. Uh, dropped it and broke one of the growlers in my bag. 
Oh. So that made for a deliciously happy smelling cologne for the rest of the week on all of my clothes. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. They, yeah, they um, they're 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 de- they're definitely not bound by you know, investors that want people to make out a. It's kind of like it almost reminds me of like a different like just kind of a kind of a different take of like what three Floyds did. Like, so you've got, you've got guys <laughs> that just don't care. We're going to do what we want to do. Yeah. And we're good at what we do. And we're going to play death metal music and play like random eighties movies in our, cause that's what we want to do. It's like monkish just kind of like shifted that. And we're going to be, uh, the hip hop guys. And you know, but the, um, common denominator, there's probably the great beers that they make. Both of them can be very proud of what they're doing there for sure. Yep. Um, just real quick, other ones popping in my head: Bissell Brothers, Tired Hands. Um, trying to think. Uh, yeah, Bissell Brothers. Yeah, Foam. Foam. Burlington. Yeah, Foam was really good. Um, let's see. Uh, we talked about Alchemist. Oh well, Alchemist. Yeah, with Hetty Topper, kind of really started. Although. Um, that you know, you know, they they've really ramped up their production with their new facility too, and and you know they probably went through the same growing pains that that Treehouse did with, uh, with sure. dialing things up. Other half is another one. I mean, there's, just, I mean, it, the list is endless. That's just I'm just kind of rattling some off to give people um, some perspective of how many great brewers are out there doing the New England style. So. Do oh. we have do we have one more can in the bag maybe to to consider? Oh well, we, we have, thought about doing local, but I do have a local one in here. Uh, we've got a triptych um, back in the fridge back there. We got a couple other ones if if we want to do something different. Um, I have one, been I have been completely impressed by triptych and all of their offerings. Every time I uh, get get back home or Mark makes his way up here, I'm always happy when he has a uh, a four pack or two for me because their beers are just. I mean, they're doing a they're doing a really good job. Like, I was shocked when it was, you know, a tiny little town that's twenty minutes from Champaign, Illinois. Like, you just don't hear that very often, and the stuff's like flying off the shelves, from what I understand. Yeah. So their their flagship um, was Dank Mean. That kind of put them on the map. Uh, they did um, an imperial version of that called Really Really Dank Mean. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. And then they kind of started. Um, experimenting a little bit. They got into this beer. Uh, it's a New England style um, hazy IPA. It was Wake Up Neo, I believe. Yeah. Um, and they, something that I kind of respected what they did. So the first one they put out, batch one, was phenomenal. And then they never intended to duplicate the recipe. They kind of wanted to just experiment. But batch two came out and it was okay, but it just did not live up to the hype of batch one. And so they actually took the feedback of that, and they're like, okay, okay, maybe we'll just keep that batch one recipe since you guys love it so much. Batch three came out. I think that's the number, or maybe batch four, whatever it was, and they're back on par. That's a fantastic beer. But the one that I'm holding in my hand here that I was really excited about that they brought out, uh, it's called A Wizard is Never Late. Um, I bought a ton of these. So actually, this is this is actually pretty old for a fresh IPA. This oh, thing's dating back no. to 1219. Whoa, guys. It's actually last year, 17. So, um, Guys, but, you can't be drinking 2017 IPAs. So, so we're going to see. I mean, it's so good, though, and I, I bought a ton, ton of them because I was so excited about it. 
we're going to see how this is holding up. Um, this is a double dry hopped IPA uh, fit, featuring Citra and Op Opalo hops. Um, so I just want to go back to foggier window because I had to look this up and you can find um, um, the, I love that sound, the name of all the, or what the reference is to the song for Monkish, um, for Monkish IPAs. And actually, the, if, if you want to get a good playlist and you like hip hop, man, it is a great playlist. But Foggy or Rindo comes from the song I Got Five on It. And uh, the actual lyric is Foggy Windows, Soggy Indo. <laughs> That's great. But this, yeah, this, you're right. This is one of the best, I think, New England hazy IPAs that Triptych has now come out with. Um, a wizard is never late. Of course, I think this is a Harry Potter reference. I do. I do not know. But. Uh, Dan, are you our resident? Rings, um, so I'm going to get my nerd on. J.K. Rowling. Come on, um, Dan. I'm pretty sure it's uh, a wizard is never late. A wizard arrives precisely when he means to. <laughs> pretty sure. Pretty sure that's Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh, okay. All oh right. no. Well, that 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 just shows you where where my. Uh, so, it, it's holding up pretty decent. I'm impressed with it, you know, and like for us to pour this side by side by side with, with Treehouse, Monkish, and Hill Farmstead, and for me to drink this and, and still be like, wow, this is pretty good. Um, you know, hats off to Triptych. You guys are, uh, you guys are well on your way and I'm proud to call you an Illinois uh, brewer. So, Well, maybe if we're lucky enough, uh, we'd love to have Triptych join us. Um, or maybe we'll have to do well, a, a destination podcast at Triptych. Um, we were kind of hinting to, we were, Evan and I were at a fundraiser this week and, uh, the trip, they had a Triptych, uh, rep there. Right. And we yep. were, we were kind of hinting rep, it, but I don't know if you necessarily picked I up think, on our nerdiness. I think it would have completely been lost on him. <laughs> completely yeah, so been lost on him. Yeah. So we kind of, we shelf that and we'll save that for maybe a conversation with someone else. You, from you just realize you're not talking to the right guy exactly. at the time. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. This isn't this is the guy that's going to get this done for us. No. Yeah, but he was there to pour the beers. Uh, talking about I think whenever anybody can get involved in their local uh, organizations that support um local places and this was something that uh you know my wife had co-chaired with uh someone that featured beer and whiskey. Mm -hmm. Um and so it was a pretty pretty fun event. Um uh, there were a lot of good we were looking through the pictures last night that the photographer did. They looked pretty good. I think she was happy with how uh the event turned out. And of course I think this very own podcast was was able to supply some some help in terms of uh raffle and auction items. Uh, which was kind of fun, and I think that those all went over very well. It was very successful. Every single every single thing that they had um, did sell uh, in terms of auction and yep, so um, you put, raffle items. Put together some uh, like a, basically a silent auction kind of uh, beer baskets, like a a stout porter kind of centric one, and then there was a uh, a hazy IPA one, correct, uh, and maybe a sour and. Yeah, we actually we actually had about we had four um, particular baskets. Now you know they kind of set up uh, one, which is that stout one that we all contributed to. That went for a 
raffle. So people bought specifically tickets to either have that or the whiskey. So they had a lot of whiskeys there. They had a whiskey writer there too um, uh, to talk to. And then they did uh, the auction, the silent auction items. So um, in terms of any specific beer ones, they had Obed and Isaacs had a beer dinner, uh, which was um, I, which I think was a lot of a really good idea. Bearded Owl uh, did supply some memberships to their their club, what they call the Parliament, which is a group of owls. That's something I learned. It was just a group of owls. It's called a Parliament. Parliament. There you go. Um, they did the Hazy IPA, uh, which was basically about a twelve pack of Treehouse from one of our very good friends, uh, Tim Casey, out in uh, New England. He's a, a very cool guy. He Love you, man. Yeah, he yeah, that's a, he's the kind of guy who stopped uh, stopped through this area on him and his girlfriend did a, Great a summer trip and they went across the country uh, just basically stopping at beer places and uh, we were lucky enough to host host them for a good pretty good share yeah, so good he time. he supplied that uh, we had a Russian River twelve pack and I'll tell you what when you're talking about the beer community yeah we're a bunch of nerds we we uh, apparently. Um, you know, like to imbibe a lot, but you know, nobody is more uh, generous, I think, and, and nobody asked me to to pay for anything, and it was it was beyond um, appreciative that they all supplied yeah. that kind of stuff. That's so gracious. I mean, that's yeah. It's just uh, it's a testament to how a fermented liquid can bring people together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a it's a great uh, great community out there. And uh, some really solid guys out there that we've met just because of our love of beer. And, uh, you know, within our social media groups, you know, you kind of you get to know some guys. And it's great when you can actually meet up with them and hang out. That when uh, yep. when they were here, we had a great evening. We uh, smoked some beef ribs and, uh, you know, had a lot of fantastic beers. It was a good night. Yeah, we're starting to, we're starting to approach the end, the end of the hour. And I know I've got the short short ribs on the smoker that I need to um, that I need to check on. Um, but uh, that'll kind of bring us to a subject that we thought we were going to get to. But since uh, since we've been having so much fun, uh, which is coffee, and I really think it'd be great to have Ryan around here for that one specifically yeah. too. He's more of a he's more of the uh, coffee connoisseur than I am. I'm the, I'm the type of guy with, with coffee. It's uh get it down the hatch and get the caffeine flowing. That's all I really care about at this point. Well, I still, Mark and I, before we started the podcast, and what I'm going to do right now is pour a little coffee. I did do a Chemex pour over of a, a local roaster, 3030 coffee with some water Explain that Chemex pour over though, just for people that maybe don't know what that process looks like. Well, it's basically, you, know, you, 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 you kind of put in the best, sense is that it's kind of like a manual coffee pot. Um, it's a glass. It almost looks like an hourglass, um, a large hourglass. And you put the grounds in the top, you pour hot water over the top, and then, of course, it collects the beer coffee on the bottom. But you grind your coffee. You you need to look at how much your um, – how many ounces of beans versus water. And we'll kind of get into this again next time, but – when you uh, want to make a really low bitter coffee with really lots of those roasted notes of the coffee, this is one of the best ways to do it. Now you're not going to make coffee for you and your wife 
Um, maybe you've got family in town, a whole 12 cup pot of coffee this way because it's pretty labor intensive. But if you and um, someone else want to share a, you know, 16 to 20 ounces of coffee, this is the way to go. That's something that we do at our house. I mean, we don't have this at our house. I, I found it very interesting to watch that process. We have uh, the old French press as well, you know, and same concept. If you're having a bunch of people over, obviously we're not going to do that. But for, you know, like a, a one or two cup kind of situation for myself or my wife, it's a great way of doing it. Um, I, I think it would be actually kind of fun to maybe sometime do a side-by-side comparison of a couple different things. Like here's a traditional coffee pot. Here's, you know, the French press. The French press, yeah. The French press. And just, just kind of see, like, what, what can – you know, if it's if we can even tell a difference, or or if they basically if it's just the process and the enjoyment of doing that, do the same beans. It'd be interesting. Just to, I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. It might be kind of a fun little trial to do. Yeah, yeah. I think I think too. You know, we we want to get guests on this podcast, and so you know, maybe we talk to Tristan at CXT. Maybe we get some of the guys from Thirty Thirty. Uh, to to give us their two cents. Uh, Zion is another coffee here, but give us their um, give us their update and mm-hmm. uh, a perspective on how to brew a good cup of coffee. I agree. That would be uh, maybe uh, for a podcast down the road. Yeah. yeah. And what 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 else do you want to talk about? I mean, I, I we kind of fragmented today because because uh, Ryan wasn't able to come here. But you know, anything else you want to talk about next time? Um, I'm trying to think of the thing. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, we all sort of have our specialties. Uh, I'm, I think I'm probably the least specialized of all cause I kind of dip my toes in the, in the water of all of them. Um, I mean, I think if we just keep trying, you know, let's, let's talk about, um, the different styles of beer. Let's pick another one for the next time. Um, let's make sure we get the coffee in there because all of us are, uh, you know, as you start to flavor beers, all of us are coffee flavored beer guys. So it'd be good to do that. And then I'm always open to drink Mark's bourbon. So <laughs> you're more than welcome to join anytime. Um, if I'm, if I'm going to pick, I'm going to gravitate towards, uh, smoked meat. You know, I, yeah, Mark's, Mark's that guy. He's the connoisseur of that. You know, I saw a, a great phrase the other night. I, I kind of chuckled. I was just kind of surfing, and I came across this thing, and it was a it was a hashtag that said, "My food eats your food." And, <laughs> and it was like that straight, like just meat, uh, you know, hashtag. So anything in the meat category, I'm excited about. Um, so I would like to talk about that. Maybe even. Um, briefly talk about the do's and don'ts or maybe how to maybe sort of if you're not into that realm how you can kind of uh kind of uh, get into that yep well, i've always taken tips from you um to get my stuff you know tasting better and doing better so uh we'll have to we'll, we'll go check on that before you head out the door that uh those uh those look fantastic when you open that up a little bit ago all right Well, uh, I guess until next time, we're going to sign off. Uh, We apologize for the last time. We do want to hit beercations, too. Yeah, we we didn't have enough time on beercations. We had so many hazy IPAs to go through. But um, the uh, 
uh, getting getting back from a, a red eye last weekend just didn't provide me the opportunity to podcast uh, in person with Dan and Mark, but um, we'll continue to, to bring this to you pretty regularly. So, uh, Dan, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, a lot of fun, guys. Looking forward to doing it more often. All right. Cheers, everybody. We'll see you next time on Pods and Provisions. All right. Cheers. Cheers.